to episode 324 of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast. This show was recorded on Friday, 31st of March, 2023. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast is brought to you by Turn Bicycles. The good people at Turn are committed to building bikes that are useful enough to ride every day and dependable enough to carry the people you love. In other words, they make the kind of bikes that they want to ride. Turn has e-bikes for every type of rider, whether you're commuting, taking your kids to school, or even carrying another adult. Visit www.turnbicycles.com, that's T-E-R-N, bicycles.com, to learn more. If counting sheep makes you sleepy, imagine how dull it must be to count cars and cyclists. Boring? Yes. But such traffic surveys provide essential data. I'm Carlton Reed, and today I'd like to introduce you to a different way of measuring road use. A way that's more accurate than the pneumatic tubes you often see stretched across carriageways, but which don't measure very slow-moving or static motor traffic and aren't even so hot on recognising bikes. The Telram system uses cameras and, of course, AI to work out exactly what's going by on the road. And it's not just for professionals. You can buy one for your window and start measuring traffic 24-7, perhaps to prove that your road suffers from excessive speeding. This morning, I talked with Telram's developer, Chris Van Hurl of Leuven in Belgium, and I started by asking him to describe his neat system and whether it could be used to counter those tabloid newspaper columnists and others who claim that bike lanes are empty. Chris, there's a, there's a, uh, today there's a, a report in a, in a British tabloid newspaper, and it's a very frequent uh, kind of complaint, but it's about empty bicycle lanes. So this particular uh, right-wing commentator is basically banging on about uh, bicycle lanes being empty. Now, you've got a product there that that might help to either, well, prove or disprove that. So what's your product? So our product is called uh, Telgram. Um, it's, uh, it's a small IoT um, traffic counting device. Uh, actually, Telgram is, is a Dutch word, uh, a funny word, a play of words, because tel means counting, and ram is window, and it's a device which you put on the window. It's a, 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 You make your window a counting window, but also Telgram as a word in itself in Dutch is abacus, so it's a nice play of words. So that's that's our uh, what, what we do. So basically, Telgram is a, is a small, low-cost uh, traffic counting device, which is um, owned and hosted by... Uh, private citizens. Uh, so um, typically traffic counting devices are, are used and deployed by professionals, uh, so industry professionals, but also policymakers, uh, um, local authorities, just to monitor traffic. What we've made first with a Raspberry Pi-based system and now with a, with a new custom-made um, uh, hardware and software is um, a commoditized, let's say a cheap and affordable traffic counting device to also allow uh, anybody to just uh, start counting with, uh, with a very simple device. And indeed, like you said, that helps to objectify any discussions on traffic flows, either on there's too much car traffic in my street, they're speeding, um, bike lanes are not being used, like this example. Um, well, with data, it's just there. So you can have to, uh, you, you can at least have a discussion about data rather than uh, gut feeling. So it's that private citizens bit that, that really interested me when I uh, looked at your product information, because, yeah, this is not some is you, you, there is a, like a professional version. Uh, you know, you, you can you, yeah, municipalities can can get this from their own uses. But this is very much you could you could you might have a, um, a road that you'd quite like to your, your municipality to, to close off. You could put this in your window and then you can say to the municipality, look, we've got, you know, X number of cars coming through, X number of, of bicycles coming through. Why don't we do this? Is, is that the idea? Because many bicycle advocacy groups already go out there manually 
counting this stuff. So you're basically bringing something that that would manually count it, and you're you're doing this with with AI in effect. Yeah, that that's partly the objective. So. Um, uh, just for some background, so I'm, I've been working as a traffic engineer for 15 years, and uh, why we started with this project because out of a frustration, out of lack of data. So we, or either the traffic counting data is lacking, and you basically need data to give uh, proper advice, or it's hugely expensive. So we started with this project to to make it affordable, and um, our angle was to work with citizens because, like you mentioned. Um, um, tra- local traffic uh, is, is a very hot topic and uh, local uh, residents are very much willing to contribute time voluntarily to collect this type of data. Like you said, people count manually. I've, I've even seen people who have done um, origin destination studies with license plates. Also, I mean, people invest time. Uh, our approach is we should give them the tools to do it properly so that the, so that the, dev- so that the data which is being generated is, is actually useful for policy advice. Um, we offer the device for private citizens, but we do want to work in a collaborative way. So uh, actually our model is to uh, work with local authorities uh, and citizens together. So um, the most common model that we basically have is that we um, we have a discussion with a local authority. They want to do something in their, uh, uh, in the, in their jurisdiction on, on traffic, like closing a street, low traffic neighborhood, for example, a slow street, uh, but they want to monitor before and after. Um, so they buy devices from us and we support the local authority to, to deploy these devices with citizens. So you got a dialogue immediately between the policymaker and the citizens. But apart from that, it's also possible to just for a, a private citizen to buy a sensor and start this discussion with the, with the local authority based on their data. So it's a bit double. So we're still professional with local authorities, but also enabling directly to, towards citizens. And how much, how much is the product for one one product for one person one private citizen? How much are they going to pay? Yeah, so we're we're trying to distinguish. So if uh, because we're really much in, f- in favor of grassroots organizations. So if you just want to buy a device, that's it. Not no no strings attached. And simple. It's one one hundred ninety nine euro, which is well, still expensive. But if you compare to other traffic counting techniques, it's like three four times more ch- uh, cheaper compared to pneumatic tubes, for example. But if we work for a local authority, we set up a full project, we do engagements, uh, um, we do, uh, we have much more uh, um, analytics on the dashboard. And then uh, we've got a model where, uh, um, uh, where we are more or less, I think, in the order of magnitude of 400 euro per, per device all in. Uh, and that's basically our model, how we try to survive. So provide professional services to local authorities, but give the devices for free via these local authorities so they can contribute to the to the traffic counting and it and the, it works there's a running cost as well for the for the telecom so y- you need yeah. like a connection yeah yeah so the, the old device uh, used uh, wi-fi for data connectivity but the new device is using a, a sim card but that's uh, that's included so uh, for the private citizens we want to make this one-off cheap and we're basically subsidizing it because we're, we're the, the, the one-off cost just for grassroots organizations, so the one ninety nine is is uh, um, yeah is, is yeah actually uh, less than what we, what it's costing us. But we want to support these grassroots initiatives. Uh, our revenue models more from the project that we do with the local authorities and provide more support analytics and so on. And this is the model that we try to build. Also, trying to bridge this gap between citizens and local authorities because local traffic. Very antagonistic. Now, a minute ago, you mentioned pneumatic tubes, which which is often how you know these these rubber strips that are laid across the road. Uh, then there's a, a bit of a box next to them, which is counting traffic. Now that's been relatively controversial in the UK recently, in that somebody discovered that uh, for a low traffic neighbourhood, it, it was in London, um, the traffic counts potentially could be out. Because the pneumatic tubes don't measure static traffic, in effect. So if a, if a traffic jam, uh, you know, the, the cars are not going anymore over like, I don't know, five kilometers an hour, they don't get counted. So that's clearly a problem. So your product is solving that problem. Yes, in part. So, I mean, again, this is technology, so it's got limitations. But like you mentioned, pneumatic tubes, uh, it's been let's say the industry standard for a long time i mean i've i've bought uh, this type of data many many times and i know the limitations like you mentioned uh slow running traffic uh is is an issue uh, because it, it depends on timing of signals so if it's really slow it cannot uh, distinguish between a car passing by or uh, it's like a single pulse uh bike counting is an issue as well i mean there are pneumatic tubes which include bike counting but, but because they are less heavy 
maybe the, the signal which you get from the pneumatic pulse is, is less, so the accuracy is lower. Um, so yeah, these are all issues with pneumatic tubes, and, and there are more. Um, we're trying to solve this indeed with our with our uh, with our uh, product. So it's camera based system, but that doesn't mean it will be one hundred percent accurate. Still, there's still uh, a trade off between cost and accuracy. Um, but slow slow running traffic for sure is not an issue because it's tracking objects, and either these objects are going fast or they, the objects are going very slow. Uh, but the objects will be recognized. In fact, I, I think actually accuracy will be higher if the traffic is slow because there's more frames where the object is uh, is, is in the view. So the accuracy of this, you can track this just by setting your your product up on a window, and then at the same time, at a, at a fraction of a of a uh, a moment in time, you then physically count, and then you tally the two, and you see you know how genuinely accurate this is, and and you found that it is accurate. Is yeah, well, you, uh, you can. So uh, what we have with, with our especially with our new device, there's a screen on top of it. So it gives you live counts. So if, if some, some, when you, some object passes by, so a car, pedestrian, cycle, or large vehicle, you will see the counter increasing. So, and, and that's also, I think, for us, important to have this transparency. So uh, we are expecting an accuracy of 90, 95% for cars and 80%-ish, maybe a bit more for, uh, for bikes. It will depend on the locations. We've tested in length on different sites. But it's also useful for people in the field who have a device who can just validate and cross-check, okay, um, the device on, on this period of time is indeed counting what, what it should be counting, and you can do so many validations. So this type of transparency for us is, is, is really important because it's often lacking with uh, uh, with other technologies. Eh? So pneumatic tubes, we know that in some cases it doesn't work, in some cases it doesn't. Uh, so you, you, you don't know if you can rely on the data in some cases, uh, yes or no. In our case... Well, what you see is what you get. I mean, if it don't work on your site, you will at least see it on the on the screen. Now, the advantage I'm guessing of it, and we we've discussed the disadvantages of, of pneumatic tubes, but the advantage of it is, you know, they're lateral, they're on the ground, and nothing can really obscure them. But presumably, your product, as it's camera based, things could obscure them. So there must be an optimum um, placement. Uh, style. So if you had it in somebody's window and say the bike lane that you're trying to measure is frequently blocked by, you know, traffic, you know, car traffic and buses and you, you can't actually see the cyclists. So you then, that, that's where your product isn't quite so good. So how, what is the optimum placement of your product? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I mean, like you said, metric tubes, and basically you can install it anywhere where 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 there's where there's room. Uh, in our case, you have to indeed you are limited by by the like a free field of view of the street. So there's a few rules of thumb. So what we always uh, recommend is um, first floor, um, yeah, first or second floor window. So not the ground floor. So you got a bit of a downward angle. Uh, so that 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 um, um, negates or, or uh, avoids having blocking objects passing by. So that's that's one thing very clear. Um, you need to have a clear field of view, so no trees, uh, um, preferably no parked cars in front. Um, uh, and not too distant, but not too short, but not too distant. So, I mean, uh, the, 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 the houses which have like a small garden in front, like five meters or something, are perfect because then you've got like a very nice view of, of the street. Now, we're, we're very much aware that this is a limitation. So um, when we do a project with the local authority, we've, we've got a full onboarding mechanism where uh, candidates apply and they upload a picture where they would install their device. You've got clear instructions on what are suitable sites. And then we evaluate if this is a suitable site, yes, no. And we allow, uh, inform them, yes, I mean, it will work on your site. So you can, you're, you're eligible for a device. So, so at least we have some control uh, where the device uh, uh, is installed on, on locations where the, the the, the counts should work. Now, based on our uh, experience now, we're working for two, three years now, I would say that about two-thirds of the candidates that we get are probably eligible. So in, in most cases, if you have a good, clear view of, uh, view of the street, uh, the device should work. The product that you, you've, you've got there, um, €199 Euros for uh, the consumer, I'm assuming a bit more, uh, for, for for local authorities, but when you when you place them either by the private citizen or the local authority buying a bunch of them, and you place them in a window, I'm assuming that there's some sort of algorithm that you've got which uh, prevents double counting. So hmm. if you've got a street and you've put placed five of these counters uh, next to the street, 
uh, you're not going to get you know the, the, counting the bike bicyclist five times, the motorist five times. It, it kind of it knows where it is. Where the, the, the device knows where it is, and it knows if there's another device 500 meters away, it doesn't, mustn't count those. So how, how do you how do you square that? Okay, that's important uh, because uh, the way we've set up our system is that you've got one device with a single road segment. Uh, what we call a road segment is not a full street, but uh, the street which is divided by the next intersection. Uh, so in principle, the road traffic on the street segment is the same on the full street segment, except for people who, are, who should be somewhere on the street segment, so residents or, or uh uh, anybody who's not transit, basically. Uh, so we we don't really deploy multiple devices on a single street segment. We just take one device, or we have a, a volunteer who has one device on a street, street segment, and we report the the, the, the volume uh, of the street street segment on a map public map uh, um, for for the street segment. So we don't really do this. Um, four or five devices on a single segment. It's been done for validation purposes. So then you can take an average, for example, or uh, you can make some small distinctions between uh, a location a bit further up the segment and a bit further down, but they should be very very much similar in terms of volume. Um, so yeah, there's no way of double counting in that sense. Uh, if we have two two segment, uh, two devices on the same segment, we report the average uh, of the of the of both devices on on the segment. Um, I think I didn't mention this explicitly, but we Telegram is on one part this this traffic counting device, the sensor, but it's also an open data platform. So if you sign up with uh, with Telegram, you are also sharing your data, and we're reporting that on on our website. Our, our home landing page is basically a map with all this data. So where where have you had your product placed in internationally where 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 has been counted so far so we started i think three years ago a bit a bit earlier in mostly in belgium because we're uh, leuven belgium based but gradually uh, we have done some projects internationally so we had, we had a big european project uh in 1919 to 2021 uh, that was in uh, dublin um uh, cardiff barcelona madrid and uh, ljubljana uh we've had a Nice project in Berlin as well with uh, with a, a grassroots organization, like like a biking uh, advocacy group. Uh, we're deploying about I think a hundred in the Berlin area. Um, in Utrecht, Netherlands, uh, we're working with the province. Um, so again, it's, it's about 150, 200 uh, orders of magnitude. So gradually uh, also reaching um, you know, the rest of uh, of Europe and not just Belgium. How have the results been used? Do, do you know how they've, they've been used? It depends. Uh, it really depends on the use case. So I, I, I can give a few examples. So um, in some cases, uh, it's, it's really about monitoring the impact of an intervention. So an intervention on low-traffic neighborhood or, or whatnot. So anything which is a change which would expect some uh, fundamental change to the traffic flows and then You'd measure three, four months before the intervention, three, four months after. You derive typical traffic before intervention, typical traffic after the intervention, and you can just make comparisons. Uh, and that's super useful eh? because um, uh, what's typically being done is um, the separate measurements are, are being done for the main roads, but for the small underlying roads, like the more, smaller residential uh, roads, they're rarely being uh, assessed for when you have uh, a change in the circulation plan or uh, installation of a low traffic neighborhood. And you want to understand if there's, um, uh, how to say, um, uh, spillover effects to adjacent streets and so on. So with this, because it's cheap, you can, you can really blanket an area with these devices and you can derive, um, typical traffic pre-intervention and typical traffic post-intervention. So that's, that's one case. Uh, another case is um, speeds. That's also a, a good one. Uh, we have I had a very nice uh, case in Leuven, but uh, there, there's more which are similar, um, where there was an issue of uh, compliance to a speed limit of 30 kilometers per hour. So you could really see from the Telegram data that uh, compliance was like 50%. Half of the cars were driving mm -hmm. faster. Um, and there were two interventions. So one intervention was this, this uh, digital sign with your speed when you're passing by. So you could really see when this intervention was done because compliance increased from, I think, 50% uh, to 60%. So these things actually work, uh, apparently. Uh, but then you could see a second intervention which was installation of a speed bump. Uh, and then you could see compliance with the speed limit go to 95%. So those are examples of how the data is being used to demonstrate effects, uh, impact of, uh, of interventions. You know, one of the, the complaints from from people is, you know, the surveillance society we have here 
and you know, it's capturing number plates and it's marking where you are. But you're not capturing number plates here. You are literally just, there's a lump going past at a certain velocity and you are statistically measuring that. So there's, there's, no, there's no arguments here. Nobody could say this is surveillance society. You're just counting numbers and the speed of the, 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 the things that you're counting. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's really important. I mean, if everybody says it, but it's really genuine and obvious. Privacy is important for us. Uh, so it's really, it's really a thing. So um, uh, we deliberately don't do tracking. We deliberately don't do number place recognitioning. We just do counts. So basically what's, what, what's coming out of the, of the traffic counting device is the same type of data you would get from a pneumatic tube, a manual count, whatever. It's just automatic, long, uh, long duration and, and yeah. There's just much more data, but that's the type of data which is uh, uh, being spit out of the device. And yeah, this is enough to do already quite some uh, uh, useful uh, you know, impact analysis of, of transport measures. So um, yeah, obviously when you when, yeah when when you do something with camera-based systems, and especially if you give them citizens, you'll get into controversies. We we've had our share of controversies, but every time we explain how the how the device works, so it, it's an example of edge computing. So uh, the the images which are being collected from the from the camera system are instantly uh, uh, processed on the device itself, and it's just count data which is going to our uh, our cloud. So there's no images leaving the device; it's just count data. So these type of things are very important to reassure uh, um, users and uh, um, yeah stakeholders nearby that there's no surveillance. Uh. The objects that you are capturing. And you know, just just counting immediately and not sending anywhere else. And can you differentiate between a car, a van, a lorry, an HGV, a large truck, a, a bicyclist, a pedestrian, maybe even a cargo bike user? How how granular is your data? Yeah, very very good question. So um, we've been working up to now with the Raspberry Pi based system, so not the the, the new flashy device you see now. And the, the old device uh, categorizes in four categories, so uh, pedestrians, bikes, cars, and large vehicles. That classification is quite uh, rudimentary and simple, so basically it's using object properties. Eh? So, um, for example, access ratio of an object. So pedestrians are very narrow and very tall, so access ratio of the object is four, so it's likely a pedestrian, while cars are a bit wider and not that tall, so access ratio is 0.5. We use a few other parameters to then classify that those objects, but there is a, there is a clear risk of misclassification. Eh? So, for example, the motorcycles and bikes they would likely be in the same category. With the new device, it's different. So it's it's immediate AI recognition. So we just see an object, and an object is associated. Okay, this is clearly a bike or uh, a pedestrian. So while we're we're now still uh, bundling them in the same four categories, in fact, the device can see more categories. So uh, you've got car. Um, you've got uh, no longer two wheelers with the old device, but bikes and motorcycles. So the distinction is already added. There's pedestrians. Um, and then what we have now as uh, large vehicles will be categorized in uh, lorries, so trucks and trailers, um, buses, uh, and uh, light, light trucks. There's still a risk of uh, misclassifying cars and vans because, yeah, Sometimes they just look mm. physically the same, uh, but in terms of yeah, an SUV is like a, <laughs> what do you call an SUV? I mean, that that could be a van exactly. or a car at yeah. the same time. Yeah. Isn't it? So the the actually actually the risk of misclassification with the new device is the same as a human would have. So if if you're counting manually, you would say, well, is this a van or an SUV? It's the same type of type of doubt that this device would have. But other than that, there would be no misclassification. And what about a scooter? Because that, that's that's clearly a, a use scenario that many cities either want to clamp down on yeah. or increase. So, do you measure scooters? So these these push scooters, yeah, motorcycles. So for sure. But again, you uh, speed pedaling. It's a good example. Eh? So the, the, you already see the 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 the, the blurred area of. Um, very high-end um, and fast uh, electric bikes, speed pedelecs, which almost look like a scooter. And you've got these electric scooters as well, which are more coming down from a scooter towards the bike area. See, so, so there is already a gray area. I can't tell for sure how the device will look, uh, will, will count those because sometimes they really physically look uh, look quite the same. But anything which looks like a scooter will be counted as a, as a motorcycle. So... Uh, I, so, so the terminology here, I, sh- I should, I should, I should have clarified that. So when I meant scooters, I meant the the stand on things, ah, steps that propel you. Mm. 
So how would you, what, what would you call that? Uh, the steps, uh, uh, like uh, these, these small, uh, um, yeah, small wheels, and basically walking on the, uh, driving on, on pedestrian uh, walkways, right? So, or, exactly. Mm. So can you measure them? Can you spot them? Tricky. Um, uh, again, uh, you there, it will be difficult to make a distinction between pedestrian and bike in that mm. sense because they're small. So you might get missed. So, so, the, so the bulk of an object which is passing by is the is is the person which is on the step, uh, and the step itself is quite small. So if the device misses the step, it will not see it, uh, and it will count it as a as a, as a pedestrian. Um, I think it's a bit too early to make any definite statements on that. We'll, we'll have to see. We, we just launched a new sensor, um, and we tested extensively uh, before, but uh, these are specific cases which we have not had any definite validation on. Uh, so we'll have to see. So you mentioned a few times the, the old Raspberry Pi version and the new version. Um, so, so talk me through the history of this. When when you first had this idea, your first product, was it, was it for instance, um, crowdfunded, Kickstarter, whatever, to your, your current product. So, so talk me through the, the, the history of your product. The, the, the origin, the need of, of, of why we started with this project was, was because of we lack data, uh, affordable data. Um, so we started with that from within the company where I work, which is a spin-off from the University of KU Leuven, uh, with, with a research grant, like not too big. Uh, and we basically said, okay, let's try this. Let's, let's try to make something with a Raspberry Pi and see if it works. What, what, what's the risk? Um, and we did that a small pilot here in Leuven. Uh, and well, to our surprise, I mean, there was two key outcomes there. So to our surprise, it worked fairly well uh, because we made something very simple uh, with actually available off-the-shelf hardware and software. So we were wondering why isn't this being done before? So that was one. Uh, and the second thing is that we had no issue whatsoever finding people who wanted to host the sensor and do some um, well, debugging and developing with us. Um, now, I appreciate Leuven is a bit of a special university town, but still, I mean, we had, I think, 250 candidates for 100 devices, and it was like this to, to find them. Um, so that, that made us think, okay, this is a model which could work. Eh? So if we can further debug and improve this device, we will definitely find people to, to host a center like this. So that was 2019, 2020. Um, I would still call this a proof of concept, the Raspberry Pi-based system. Over time, when we did the project and also did the European project and Dublin Carter and so on, we, we basically came to the conclusion that if you want to reach a larger audience, uh, we have to detect the sensor. Yeah? So, it, I mean, the Raspberry Pi-based system is nice for techy, uh, tech lovers uh, and enthusiasts who want to go through the pain of installing this because it, it does require some, um, some technical uh, know-how, Wi-Fi configuration, uh, installation. Um, so pretty soon we, 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 we've chosen to uh, well, go down the path of making a dedicated uh, sensor uh, hardware for uh, for this purpose, which is then focused on ease of installation to also be able to reach anybody who just wants to count traffic and, I mean, prefers not to go through the pain of uh, installing a Raspberry Pi. Um, and so that's been done uh, for the past two and a half years, uh, and it's been a long road. Uh, we have also had uh, research funds uh, to do that and some development funds. Um, and we only just launched, uh, I think, two months ago uh, with, with the new sensor. And, and now we're really ready to, to, to scale up with this new device. So we'll still support the, the Raspberry Pi-based system because we're also tech lovers and we've got a nice community of tech lovers and we really want to support them. Um, but for the future, we will definitely look at the, at the new sensor because it's simpler, user-friendly, and we will be able to reach a, a much larger audience um, for the product. I'm going to I'm gonna cut to an ad break now. I'm going to go across to my... Uh, my colleague David in America, but I will be right back with you. So do hang on there for a second. Take it away, David. Hello, everyone. This is David from the Fredcast and, of course, the Spokesman. And I'm here once again to tell you that this podcast is brought to you by Turn Bicycles. The good people at Turn build bikes that make it easier for you to replace car trips with bike trips. Part of that is being committed to designing useful bikes that are also fun to ride. But an even greater priority for Turn is to make sure that your ride is safe and worry-free. And that's why Turn works with industry-leading third-party testing labs like EFBE and builds its bikes around Bosch e-bike systems, which are UL certified for both electric and fire safety. So, 
before you even zip off on your turn, fully loaded and perhaps with a loved one behind, you can be sure that the bike has been tested to handle the extra stresses on the frame and the rigors of the road. For more information, visit www.turnbicycles.com to learn more. And now, back to the spokesman. Uh, thanks, David. And uh, we are here still with uh, Chris Van Hel. And uh, Chris is from uh, Leuven. And I, I want to dig into, Chris, I want to dig into your, because you mentioned a couple of times now that you are, you're a, you're a traffic engineer, basically. Um, and, and I'm assuming that's in Leuven, yeah? Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, so tell me, what, what does that job entail? What have you been doing? How does this uh, improve maybe the, the life of, of, of fellow, you know, the people who are, who are doing your job now? And is this product taking you away from that job? So that's three different questions. 15 years I've been doing this. I've, I've seen the, 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 the space of traffic data being evolving uh, immensely over these last 15 years. So um, cell phone data, for example, let's start with that. Um, it's been, I mean, when I started my job, I think cell phones weren't, weren't even that prevalent yet. Uh, and gradually, uh, cell phone data was being recognized as something useful for doing uh, origin destination tracking. So, you know, um, where, where people are coming from, where they are going to. Super useful to, um, to, to calibrate traffic models, for example, which then allow you to do um, an ex-ante analysis and try to model on beforehand, before you do an intervention, how traffic would behave. Uh, if you would do an intervention. Before that, it was all speculation and, and theoretical. Um, that type of data has really, really evolved, and it's, it's like now a standard product. Like Google Traffic, for example, is, is, is a product which provides origin destination data, travel time data, which is hugely, hugely interesting and has, has, has really changed the, the, the environment of traffic engineering, allowing traffic models to be much, much better. Um, now, stop you there, Chris. So basically, that's, that's using the Bluetooth on a phone to basically measure where people are going to and from. It knows probably where people are just by speeds, you know, they're on a bicycle or in a car. And then it's, the origin destination means, you know, are they genuinely doing one mile trips? Is that is that what you mean? They, or they live in this area and go to that area where they work and it's, it's generating a congestion in, in between because there's so many people coming from there and there. Route choices, for example, why are people, why are, why are people taking a red run, for example? Um, those things you can all make visual. Now, I mean, um, at the beginning of, uh, of when this data was useful, uh, there were sincere privacy concerns, which were completely justified. But by now, you, you have proper data products, which all are uh, hashed and anonymi anonymized. So it's it's much safer and clearer now. Uh, uh, but still, I mean, sometimes it's a bit creepy. But these type of data are extremely useful to calibrate traffic models, which you really need to give uh, to make proper uh, data, a proper uh, policy advice. So, so um we, we had traffic models 15 years ago still, but they were scarcely calibrated and they were theoretically based. But, but now, I mean, they're, they're much more performant, much more accurate. Now, the point where I want to come to and why Talrim is still important and useful is that um, uh, this type of origin destination, which is floating car, that is, is one super useful, but it's still just a sample. Eh? So you, you still, you will, will not have all traffic, which is... Uh, having a cell phone in the car, for example. So you will not, it will not provide you absolute volumes on a specific site. So that's still valuable to, to collect and to calibrate uh, models. And secondly, um, this is still just cars. Yeah? So we have achieved to calibrate traffic models for cars uh, properly now uh, in, in the traffic engineering world. But bikes, uh, bike models, um, only scratching the surface at this point. And, and, and we already know that road choice behavior and so on with bikes is completely different. Uh, uh, steepness of a hill, um, the, the quality of infrastructure, uh, the, the perception or the real safety. Those are all things which are influencing road choice of, of, of bikes. Uh, and, and there's, there's definitely a gap still to get that right. And with Telegram, you now will have traffic counting data, not just for cars, but also for bikes. So it will allow to get, you know, to make the next step, let's say, and, and also get good proper traffic models with, with, with bikes. So you can do also proper uh, policy development, um, uh, which is supported by data, not just for cars, but also bikes. And then the, the, one of the other parts of that, that question uh, was, uh, are you still doing the traffic engineering? Um, or is this like taking you away from that field? Yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm completely consumed now by uh, by by Telegram the development. So I mean, we, we so 
Telegram was started as a project from within TML with disease traffic engineering, but because it's that was consultancy, uh, tel, uh, Telegram is a product, so we spin it off as a, as a, as a different company because it's completely different. Uh, and yeah, I would say we're now in startup life and trying to, to get this product as good as possible. So it's a completely different focus, um, hardware development, firmware development, um, uh, yeah, user management and so on. So yeah, I'm, unfortunately, I'm not really doing much anymore. Uh, when I've, when I've, when I'm lucky and I can do a workshop uh, with data analysis, then I can dive into the, the, in the into the Telegram data and do some good old uh, data analysis, which is really fun. So uh, if I get the chance, I come to it. But uh, uh, it's more for the colleagues from uh, from TML who, who are working with the data and third parties, uh, others. TML, what's TML? Sorry. TML, that's the that's the agency where uh, so the, the 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 traffic engineering bureau where I was working the spin off from the KU Leuven. So the colleagues. Okay, right. So because you, your background as, as a traffic engineer, you know this product is going to be incredibly useful around the world. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not something that, uh, you know, you, you've come from the world of tech and you've brought this mm-hmm. to to a, a, an alien world. You are from this world. You know this product yeah. will be incredibly useful. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. And, and, and that's why, but I've grown to understand over time. Um, that's why I, at first, I didn't understand why tech world hadn't already done this because it's not that hard and the use case is very clear so while we came in from the media the application side and we had to learn the tech let's say so we had to learn how this technology works and work with partners but the application for us was is evident and 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 we also can steer then the development towards what we think is definitely the the most applicable use case so simple cheap uh, and very specific on a very specific type of traffic counting data so on a specific side uh no intersections, no origin destination, because once you go down that route, you'll get, you'll end up with high-end system, which will cost you multiple thousands of euros uh, uh, per per uh, per, uh, per device. Uh, and we think there's definitely a use case for a first series, very simple, low-cost traffic counting device. So talk me through, because you said it. This is like two months in which you've you've, you've had this the, the the newest iteration. Uh, of your product where do you see your company going how many devices do you think you're going to be able to 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 sell a to private citizens and and b to to local authorities so what's what's your give me your business plan so not just your business your product history give me your business plan if you don't mind chris uh, we've seen with the current Raspberry Pi based system that we've got a lot of attention from Belgium, uh, but we've also seen that it's, I mean, it, it tra- requires a lot of support. So we were a bit reluctant and hesitating to go international with this because we want to be closer to be able to, to provide support. So, um, so while we've been having a lot of questions in the meantime, while we were still working with the Raspberry Pi and developing the new system, um, we have been holding back a bit on international inquiries. Now we've got the new sensor ready and it's, well, I would say 90% validated. We still need to check off a few things, um, but we just want to open the international tab, let's say, and want to roll out as fast as possible and as, as many as possible because the, the need is there. So if, you, if you're asking me for numbers, um, I, I, I'm hoping to deploy at least 2,000 a year, but rather looking at several, uh, I mean, Five to ten thousand additional uh, new devices um, uh, per year being deployed worldwide. Um, we're, we're having a focus because we're based in Belgium on Benelux, so Belgium and the Netherlands. But we have somebody who's working for us already uh, in London, so UK will be a, a focus market to to expand. Uh, and we're already also getting some inquiries from uh, from the US, so hopefully we can uh, also uh, quickly build on that and, and serve that market. Uh, now, in terms of the distinction between the private citizens and the local authorities, I think that's really the crux. That's really important for us. So um, the way we have gained traction in Belgium is always via um, a single citizen a citizen who bought a device and made a lot of noise about his device and his data for the local authority, which then initiated the local authority to set up a project. Um, and then we can help the local authority or uh, a commercial client, a consultancy who's working with the local authority to set up a network of, of, uh, of devices. And that's really crucial because um, we, like I said, halfway, I think we, we are almost subsidizing the individual ones. We want to make, make it really cheap for, for the enthusiasts, for the grassroots initiatives. We want to keep that, but our sustainability is dependent on yeah, 
projects, so uh, com- uh, networks of, tel- uh, of devices for, for these co- uh, commercial uh, clients, consultancies, and local authorities. So we really hope to to go in uh, via that. We're, we're looking for partnerships, for example, for large organizations who have uh, access to a big community um, uh, who, who would buy these devices from us. We, we provide them a management platform and management tool to to basically manage their fleet of devices in the community, uh, but give them device for free towards volunteers. So that's a bit the model that we're, uh, that we're hoping for to, to achieve. Talk, talk me through your dashboards. I know tech people get very excited by their dashboards. Um, so when you install this or when you, when you, when you, when you upload the data, when the, you know, not you, but when the device uploads the data to the cloud, and then it's all graphed and mapped and what have you. What do you see? So can you see not just numbers? This is the number of people who've cycled, walked, driven past, you know, your window. But you also get like peaks. So there's a graph there showing you, well, at 5 p.m., you've got a massive amount of car traffic. Boom, boom, boom. So what does your dashboard, what do your stats show? Yeah, the, the good question. So um, I invite you and your listeners to go to our website because basically do, those things are all open. Also, there's a private dashboard, but there's also a very big public website. So I'll, I'll just go over what's what's there. So we, we report the, the, the total numbers by uh, day and by hour. So uh, just to sum up of the cars, pedestrians, and, and and the, the four categories. But like you mentioned, um, there's also an interface where you can select a time interval, uh, for example, three months, four months, a full year. And then it calculates a typical traffic volume for this period, uh, a typical traffic volume for a weekday or a weekend. Uh, and that, like you said, that will demonstrate uh, these, these typical pra- patterns. Eh? So uh, the sharp morning peak and a, a bit more prolonged evening peak. Uh, so those are interfaces. Um, uh, what's also reporting on speeds. So we, we report the speeds of passing cars in bins of 10 kilometer per hour. We've also changed it to miles per hour for UK. So that's also possible. So that will give you an idea on um, what, what the share or what, the, what the, the, the speed profile is, let's say, of cars in your street. And um, finally, the, the V85 speed is like um, uh, a traffic engineering concept, which I have to explain. So if you would have 100 cars uh, and you would sort them by fastest to the slowest, it's the 85th fastest car. So there's 15 cars driving faster and 84 driving slower. So the V85 gives you a good indication of what we call free flow speed. So uh, uh, how fast do cars drive when there's no congestion and so on. And it gives you a good indication of how, how streets are typically used by cars in terms of speed. Um, so those are all in the open dashboard and in the private dashboard. So the, the, the Telegram user has got a bit more extra analytics, for example, a monthly report with uh, peak, uh, peak hours last month has traffic increased last month to the, to the, to the previous month. Um, so a bit more extra uh, gimmicks, uh, which are useful for the individual use of it. The core thing is that everything is open. Eh? So that also, if you're not a, te- a Telegram device owner, you can still interact with the data. You can uh, do analysis yourself if, uh, if you want, and we encourage that. So traffic censuses has been carried out since the, the, you know, the dawn of motoring. You know, I've, I've, I've looked at uh, various uh, statistics down, down the years of, you know, the usage of, of, of roads and even of, of, of 1920s and 1930s bike paths, etc. So censuses are, 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 have been carried out since the year dot. But there always been this, you know, the, they pick a date, they pick a, probably a 24-hour period, and that can be very, very uh, misleading because, if, you know, do you do it in the winter? Do you do it in the spring? Do you do it in the summer? Or you, you tend not to do it, you know, loads of times because it's just so expensive because it, it's manual counting. It's phenomenally expensive and complicated to do what you've got is a system that is 24 7 uh seven days a week uh, every single week of the year blah 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 blah, blah. it's just constant so you've got much much more uh robust data there that will build up and i know like folks is the 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 bicycle advocacy group for edinburgh has been doing traffic counts and traffic sensors for a long time and they do it manually and this is going to, I'm sure, would excite them because it will be an adjunct to the data they've built up over many years. But instead of just doing it on a certain day, they've now got it every single day. Yeah, yeah that's correct. Um, 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 yeah. What's important is to know that because people think of traffic counting data and traffic counting data is traffic counting data, but that's not the case. Huh? So you, you've got different types of traffic counting data. So 
for starters, you've got this floating carton, which I explained from the cell phone side, but also the, the, the point uh, location. So, um, and maybe surprised to what you w- would expect, uh, would expect, but all these different types of um, traffic counter data on a single site are valuable. So even manual counts are still valuable, uh, although they're fragmented, so they're very scarce. Uh, so either it's expensive or it's, or it's very one-off, but it's still valuable because in some use cases you really need it. Uh, so for example, um, uh, if you want to optimize traffic lights, uh, uh, to, to, to want to know which site needs to have the green light, the longest and so on. For that type of thing, you need queue lengths, for example. To monitor queue lengths is usually difficult, even with high-end optical systems. So for those type of applications, you still need manual counts. But that being said, for true traffic counts for, for, for a long period, uh, yeah, the, what, 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 what we used to work with, um, like you said, every Tuesday or every, every Tuesday, every two, every two weeks, uh, do a manual count, that's gone. Those times are gone. And uh, either with pneumatic tubes or in the future with Telegram, uh, the, just the sheer volume of data will, 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 will blow away even the bit more accurate manual counting data, which is much more fragmented. Um, so yeah, it's indeed, um, it's indeed a, a, the potential of a big change and mental, mental change and revolution in terms of how, how we collect traffic counting data on specific sites. And um, Feet's professor the, on, on Twitter, he, he had a very... Uh, I think actually did a, an academic study on this, but he also did it on on, on Twitter, and he, he kind of like uh, showed the video of this. So he had a camera above uh, a famous intersection in in Amsterdam, and then he talked about swarms and and flocking, and he showed how you know bicyclists just flock through this particular uh, intersection, whereas cars are very regimented, you know, in narrow trails. Bicyclists were going everywhere. So what that suggests is, as we know, there are an awful lot of bicyclists in Amsterdam. So does your system cope with high-use bicycling cities where if there's 10,000 cyclists going through an intersection, it can still count that, even though they're flocking together? How, how do you count the ants? Yeah, that's a very good question. And it's very important to realize how, how you should tackle those issues. So... In short, Telegram, the sensor, it's low-cost device. It's not made for uh, counts on intersections because, like you said, you've got you've got uh, f- flocks. You've got everything which is going one going left, going right. I mean, returning. I mean, it's it's just impossible. I mean, it's not impossible, but if you want to do those counts right, you need a high-end camera system, which will cost you, I mean, five to ten thousand euros just for a single site. So, we've deliberately chosen for. Let's not, let's not try to fix that problem uh, because it's just too complex. But you can fix the problem if you focus on a bit more simpler sites, which are just street segments where you have bikes passing by left, right, left, right. So it's very clear that object is passing through one side and, and existing the, the other side. And if you've got a bit of a downward angle, you can just basically see all objects passing by. Uh, and that's a very sim- much more simpler setup where, where AI systems are can much easier, more easily cope with. Uh, so um, if you would have such a situation, what we would do is um, not monitor the intersection because it's too difficult, but just take the branches. Uh, so and, and maybe even on a few sites on the branches, so you know the the, the, the absolute volumes on on uh, on on the branches. Um, as long as you don't have like. Uh, I would say a big cycling, uh, um, uh, how to say race or something where you have like five or six, seven people, uh, side to side and, and maybe even swapping positions. I mean, that, that that's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, just one or two side by side, as long as they're clearly segmented. So like different objects and it, it will cope, uh, it will count those devices. Um, again, I, I just want to point back up about some technology choices that we've made. Um, our, our, Core focus is it has to be simple, uh, simple to install, um, and uh, or and cheap, so instant uh, and and affordable. I mean, anything that you describe now, it's all solvable with technology, but it will just cost you a, a, a tremendous amount of money. So you you can indeed make a, a camera system and 
push it through uh, an online um, uh, image recognitioning system and, and then mm. we'll, you have to pay for every object that you... I mean, it's all possible, but it will just cost you a lot of money. Mm. Yes. No, I think that's what uh, Feats Professor did. They basically tracked it and then they used AI to count every individual ant in, in that. And it was, it was a highly complex and, and, and probably expensive thing to do. Uh, Chris, thank you ever so much for taking the time today to talk about this system so uh, give us the where, where can people buy these from give us your social media stuff get uh, give us all your information of, of how we can find you yeah uh, so uh, first of all first up our website so www.telram.net uh, i think if you go to the website Things will become very apparent. You can also engage with the data. Uh, there's much more true uh, links on uh, uh, what the device is like, and there's a web shop. So you can, if you want a device yourself, I mean, that's the way to go. If you want to push for, uh, let's try to do this with my local authority. I've got to reach out to us via the website, and we'll see if uh, we'll see if of course it is possible. So that's our website. I think that's the first place to go. Uh, we're active on Twitter. Uh, our handle is Telram Telram, uh, two times next to each other. So um, that's the, probably the social media that we're using uh, the most. We're not on Facebook, uh, not on Instagram, uh, and LinkedIn, obviously, if you want, also uh, on Telram. Um, so that yeah, that's how to find us. Um, yeah, anybody interested, reach out to us via our web form. Um, we are uh, ready to go with our new sensor. Thanks to Chris Van Hel there, and thanks to you for listening to episode 324 of the Spokesman podcast. Show notes and more can be found at the-spokesman.com. I'm still waiting to chat with BBC journalists Anna Holligan and Kate Vandy, who have yet to take delivery of a rather special outside broadcast unit, a tricked-out cargo bike. This will be the Bike Bureau the BBC Bike Bureau, a mobile news gathering studio like no other. I'm hoping that chat can happen sometime next month. But meanwhile, get out there and ride.